Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ossery Dungeon Discs. My name is Colin Hubbard. In Ossery Dungeon Discs, we cast someone to the Ossery with seven discs of their choosing, a luxury and a book. This is in no way connected to Desert Island Discs from the BBC. They have eight discs and we only have seven. It's a completely different format. And for rights reasons, the songs are all parodies with no monetary gain. <laughs> Our guest today is Dan Thompson, one of the most skilled DMs in the business. He's been DMing for 20 years, and in that time, he's killed his friends over and over and over again. Whilst doing this, he has written comic books, attended many comic cons, has produced comedy podcasts, and continued to make his way in the acting game. A notable history buff, an expert in Pathfinder, and as his friends describe him, a bloody nice bloke. Dan Thompson, thank you for being our guest today. It is an honour. You cannot imagine how long I have been waiting to come on uh, Oss <laughs> Ossery... Ossery Dungeon Discs. Ossery Dungeon yeah, Discs. Yeah, we've been going for a long time. It's my so. favourite show. It's one of the longest running uh, one of the shows. Do you know what I'm really looking forward to about, about season three uh, mm. of, our, of our show, about our new adventure? It is never having to write or say the word Ossery ever again. Oh my God, Ossery is such a hard word to say. <laughs> it's a terrible word. <laughs> I'm not sure it's even technically accurate. I think it's a crypt. I think Ossery is a very specific kind of um, dungeon, a kind of uh, tomb that only has bones in it. But uh, we're getting off the track. I'm sorry. I've, de I've derailed no, this it's already. it's fine, Dan. It's all right. Like, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, this is uh, quite a similar format. I don't know if you've ever listened, Dangerlings, to uh, Desert Island Discs. But um, as I explained in my intro there, it is slightly similar, but we are very, very different. So uh, they have eight discs. We only have seven. They go to an island. We're going to the ossery. All right. So we're going to cast Dan out. He's going to be alone. Um, so let me ask you the first question, Dan. And this is from our dangling uh, uh, Ro Rodri Griffiths. Rodri Griffiths. Rodri Griffiths. Yeah, Cheers, big Rodri. Um, what made you want to make a Pathfinder podcast a path as opposed to D and D? Ah, okay. Well, this is um, this is something that comes up so much. You always get addition wars, yeah. and there's there's this always a lot of debate over is it oh what's better Pathfinder or D and D? To give you a, a super short bit of history, if you if you didn't listen, I think in episode one we talked about it. Pathfinder grew out of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, yeah. To, uh, year 2000 Dungeons and Dragons 3rd edition comes out uh, it gets replaced by 3.5 edition so it runs for a while with that and then they do a 4th edition which is very very different uh, Paizo who make Pathfinder at the time they were writing adventures for Dungeons and Dragons and there's a, a really big desire when 4th edition comes out to keep the 3.5 edition rules so Paizo tidy those rules up because they're an open game license uh, and they start making Pathfinder which is which is their new game, but it's essentially the same rules as as old school D and D, and and D and D is now on fifth edition, so it's it's a yeah, which yeah. is a very different game, um, and we, contrary to what I think I have said a few times on the show, I actually quite like fifth edition. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm sorry, Pizer. No, I because um, we play it on Monday nights. Ross runs a uh, a fifth edition game that we uh, that we play to like unwind when we're not big up Ross, big up Ross when we're not recording it. Um, I, I've, I've 
just started memorizing the names of some of the characters in it. Uh, I, I have no, no leg to stand on when I, I come down on you guys for forgetting the names of important characters in our campaign because <laughs> I never do in Ross. <laughs> Um, but fifth is a very different game. It's a much simpler game. Uh, it doesn't have rules for everything. It expects you to kind of just improvise around stuff that that doesn't cover, uh, which means it's a lot easier to pick up. Um, but it doesn't have the sort of uh, the depth I think that Pathfinder does. For me personally, I'm a Pathfinder guy. I I, I just I've been playing this basic rule set for nearly twenty years now. Uh, I know a lot of these rules, and I like that you can. I like how much depth that there is there to explore. I like that whatever kind of character or creature you want to have, there will be an entry somewhere in one of the many rule books that I have cluttered around my house that will explain how to do that. Uh, and I, I like that level of detail that you can go in there. And also, we at the time we started recording, it was a year ago, there was a fair bit of content out for 5th edition but not nearly as much as there was for Pathfinder Yeah, right. right. Uh, and a big part I wanted to do the show was wanting to play all of these adventures that we'd had sitting around um, written by Paizo that we wanted to to play through and I was like this is the best way to do that Um, we'd also been playing Pathfinder for you know a good few years by that point so we were all sort of other than you I think other than myself yeah yeah. you were new to it but everyone else was kind of familiar with with the system so it was a um, it was one to do also there's not as many people doing Pathfinder as a podcast. There are loads of Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. Yeah, yeah, you know, okay. there there are so many five E podcasts, and we felt it could we felt it would be fun to do something a little bit different to play with a, a system which not as many people do, but I think still creates really good stories. And and ultimately, it's we're not the kind of show where the system matters massively. Um, we are more about the story than we are about the rules. And that's something that sort of come up when we talked about Pathfinder 2nd Edition that's coming up uh, and what we're going to do with that, whether we're going to play that on. And ultimately, it keeps coming back to, well, it's not really about the rules. It's more about these characters and these stories we're telling with them. So I think whichever way we go with that, um, and I think if we had done 5th Edition, I think it would have been quite a similar kind of show because ultimately that's that's what we're getting into with this. Um, But for me... It's it's just the way I've been raised. I'm a Pathfinder player, you know. That's that's how I that's born how I and raised in Pathfinder. Yeah. yeah, that's a new T-shirt, isn't it? Born <laughs> and raised in Pathfinder. <laughs> uh, yeah, nice. Okay, following on from that question, because you did mention something about um, something about uh, monsters and creatures. And yeah. Dwe- Dweezel, is it? Dweezel said, oh, yeah, Dweezel. Uh, "Is there a particular creature that you'd really like to put the group up against?" This might be a spoiler, but uh, you know, Dweezel. Yeah, I right. I, okay, I've. Um, <clears throat> I, I, yeah, it's really hard because a lot of the character creatures I want to put them up against, I might actually put them up against at some point. So <laughs> yeah. I, it's hard to know. But what I've done, I wrote down, I quickly went and wrote down like some of my favorite monsters that I've either used in the past or that I, I would love to use. And a lot of these are ones that are we've either leveled past or will probably never get to. Um, so I'll give you, I'm going to give you three monsters that I just love really quickly out of the best three. Uh, one of them, and they're all really hard to pronounce, so I don't know why I chose these. One is called the uh, uh, Alpachura. Alpachuria? An Alpachuria. Alpachuria. Okay. It's, it sounds quite like Alpa- Alpacino. It's like Alpacino, but he's come a little in, gnome. Like- <laughs> he gets really, get really angry. Fuck you. Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's like no, it's a it's um it's a tiny it's like challenge ring one. It's really low level, but it's a tiny little tadpole. It's a parasite, um, oh, wow, and the okay. idea is it gets into it gets it attacks a player by get, it hides in their food. When they eat it, it attaches to it attaches somewhere in their throat, and it starts eating all your food. 
and basically your character, the character who is infected by it, unless they notice it, they start suffering from starvation effects. Oh, uh, and no. they basically, food doesn't do anything for them and they starve to death until they work. And if you diagnose it, you can get it out quite easily. But it's just a really gross. And I think it's based on an actual thing. I think there is yeah. like a parasite that does it to a fish or something. Right. Um, but it's just gross. Uh, and I think it's great. Um, the other one I love is a Vargoyle. It's without spoiling too much because we might talk about Gosmoth Heresy a little bit uh, and stuff yep, that's on there. Too. Um, but I want to try and avoid doing too many spoilers about stuff we didn't do in it because if you want to play Gosmoth Heresy, trust me, we played about half of Gosmoth Heresy on this show. Like there is so much more of that dungeon that you could explore. So, uh, but there is a Vargoyle in there which we we didn't encounter. A Vargoyle's like a flying vampire head. It's just like a little ball with. A face and uh, and wings on its ears, um, right. and if it bites you and you fail a save, you gradually start turning into one. So you start just sort of one day you wake up and you got fangs, um, and then your skin goes a bit funny. And the final stage of it is if you don't cure it, your body suddenly drops off one day and you end up as a flapping head. But at no point in the description right. of it does it say that your character is then dead. So it implies that you can then just carry on playing the game, but you're just a little flappy head. Which no way, <laughs> which I think is just brilliant. Um, and I, I wish just Fulton as a little flappy head. Yeah, like I just think it'd be hilarious. He's just and there's no cure. Like he never gets his body back. He's just a little flying head for the rest of the campaign. That uh, would be amazing. I love anything. Um, anything on there. Uh, and and then uh, there's weird stuff in like some of the later bestries. You've got like all of the HP Club Lovecraft creatures are in there, and there's right, like right. there are, like you can fight Cthulhu and you can fight Godzilla is listed in, in the thing. I I had a very quiet Godzilla. You can fight Godzilla. You have to fight Godzilla. I think he's challenge rating twenty five. I did the maths on it, uh, which I. I, I I haven't got with me, but I did the maths on how many Fulton Battlestones it would take to fight Godzilla um, <laughs> in a single fight. Um, and I, I think I worked out that I, I think I worked out if there was, it would need 1,500 Fulton Battlestones, they would have to have some kind of a means of standing on each other's shoulders yeah. so that they could all surround it because there aren't enough of them around him. Right. To, the problem is he has fast healing, Godzilla, so he heals every round. Okay. Uh, uh, Fulton. Uh, you can't do enough damage with Fulton to uh, to actually uh, kill him without him regenerating it. So you need, I think, uh, yeah, you need 1,500 Fultons all standing on each other's shoulders face-to-face with him. Uh, they all need to hit, so we, they, this is assuming Ross doesn't roll the dice for it, um, and they all need to do average damage, uh, and that might be enough to kill it, unless it rolls higher than them on initiative, uh, in which case he can one-shot the entire group of them with his fire breath. It was a really slow day at work, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. you know. I was going to say, it sounds like a really awesome bit of fan art, yeah. if anyone wants to uh, you know, go into that and start... Um Drawing up a hundred thousand battle stones, yep. uh, that would be Fighting amazing Godzilla. to see. <laughs> Fighting Godzilla, I uh, think that is one of the monsters in the new Godzilla movie. I think when he fights all the monsters, <laughs> yeah, one right. of them is fifteen hundred yeah, yeah. Fulton battle stones. Fifteen hundred Fulton battle stones <laughs> coming out of the sea, like <laughs> going back to the ossuary. So we, yeah. you said that you, we only did like fifty percent of it, right? Mm-hmm. So what else would we have found? If we'd have gone, oh no! Actually, let me let me ask okay. about the the one thing that I think everyone's wanting to know about is what is the dark place and what's down there. Oh, the still, ah, oh, the, the still, still place. place. Yeah, sorry, I've the heard it's still dark place. place. Well, the still place is one of my favourite things in Pathfinder, and I knew I had to put it in there. Most of what has happened in the last 
like sort of 20 episodes since we arrived in Camargo basically yeah. it's all from a book called City of Strangers which is written by a, a brilliant writer called James L. Sutter okay. who, who writes a lot of Pathfinder content yeah. he's a freelance writer for him used to be main Paizo but he wrote this whole book and all it is it's got a few rules but all it is is just stuff about Camargo and it explains this whole thing called the Undercity Camargo is incredibly old it is older than the sort of the Thalassian Empire which was the, the old empire that ruled Varicia before humans. Okay. And what there is underneath it is this vast this vast network of caverns uh, and they all and that some of them predate mankind. They all have weird things going on in them. The way the still place works is a long long time ago when something called Earthfall happened, a great meteorite fell from the sky and uh-huh. it knew and it was going to wipe out most life on the surface. There was a, uh, a a race called the Colborn who live in the underground. They're sort of psychic creatures, um, and they mm-hmm. lived in the under tunnels. They decided they were going to retreat deep into the earth and hide away while this was happening. And they decided that they needed to they needed a barrier, something to stop people ever finding their realm where they were. So they went up to the surface. They made a deal with all the humans that lived up there. Um, and said, we've built a city for you in the Undercity. We've built this great city in a cavern, uh, which is going to be safe from everything that's coming above. The only rule is that you need to you need to seal up all of the access to the surface so that nothing can come along, and then you can live there in safety. And then and you know, we'll trade with each other, and we'll just be we'll be mates down there. So they built this city underground. The humans come all come in with their families. They seal off all access to the surface world. Right. And once they've done that. The Colburn kill all of them. Jeez, they uh, they what? let uh, they let these creatures called morgues, which we may fight at some point, which are just awful undead creatures. They let them loose in the city, and then they close the doors and they go home, uh, and they leave them there. Yeah. And the these creatures that they release kill everyone in this underground city, uh, turn them all into undead creatures. They all become zombies, um, and then. The zombies then hunt down the other survivors, and eventually, what happens is there is no one left alive. The zombies have no one left to chase, and so they all just stop, and they all just stop and stand exactly still where they were in the darkness, um, and they stay there for thousands of years until someone else until, or something else comes along. Until someone pokes their head in from above and drops a torch which is the first <laughs> external stimulus they've had in a thousand years. Yeah. And it's just a carpet of these, yeah. So um, so going down there would have been a real bad idea. That would have been a stupid that idea. I'm glad we turn around. And that isn't even close to the scariest thing in the Undercity. Like, there's so much great stuff down there. That's just a tiny little... That's like, Could you even could you get down there if you really tried? If you really tried, you could get down there. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. And then we would work out in reverse, like the, the Godzilla Fulton Battlestone question. We would find <laughs> yeah, right. out how many, you know, how many zombies does it take to kill one Fulton Battlestone? Um, and I don't think it would need 15,000. It wouldn't 000. need that many. <laughs> Daniel Thompson, it's time for your first piece of music. Oh, yes. And you have chosen from episode 36, La 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 La. So let's hear that. Don't you worry about me. Don't, 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 don't. Don't you worry about me. When you walk on by. When you call my name. Carago! 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 Then I walk on by. Carago? 
I do not see you. And I say la 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 Hello everyone welcome to the Danger Club. So tell me, why did you choose that disc uh, in particular? <laughs> well, I I feel, I'm really glad that we made it to, uh, what is it this week, episode 50, episode yeah. 51. Uh, I'm glad we made it to episode 50 uh, before we did a clips show. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of comedy shows, <laughs> a lot of major shows, they, they came and do the clips show much earlier yeah. in their, uh, their history. I feel like we're one of those shows though that's giving giving a bit more content as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they don't just like chuck in a bunch of clips. We've like I'm pretty sure we've had a bottle episode as well, but it's just that oh, you, were, you were trapped in the bottle with a skeleton that wanted to murder you, so it was <laughs> it was a bit more exciting. Um, I, I <laughs> are we really good? Have you got songs from every mate? You, you don't even know, right? We've got a question, <laughs> right? From Musha Satori, what do you think sets you apart from other RPG podcasts? And what would be your elevator pitch? Oh, Candice, one of our... Uh, Candice. One of our, our best buddies. That's a great question. It's something we, we talk about a lot because we... I genuinely... I spend a lot of my life talking about this podcast with people. Yeah. Like, either on social media or we're all active, on, you know, on social media talking about it and... Um, so uh, should you be. And, uh, yeah, please do. But I, I think there's... Um, there is some stuff that we do that is different. I like the amount of quality, the amount of time we put into the production, which is what you, you know, the work that you do really with, um, with Colin, with the, with the, with the music and the SFX, the fact that we invested in decent recording equipment really early on. Uh, and that would be a big thing that I, I would say to anyone, if you want to do one of these podcasts is take your time over it. Don't just, I mean, we started with just one microphone around a kitchen table. We did it for a few episodes, um, and almost going back, I wish we'd started with the mixer. And it, you know, within a few episodes, we go up to a full set, a full spread of mics, and you can sat, hear the sound difference so quickly. You're so much better, and it, so much easier to control as well from a sound point of view. Yeah, I think it's different because it is it it is British, which does actually make a difference on this. It's Pathfinder, which is different to D and D. It has that extra sort of audio quality, which is good, and I. I just love the characters. And I know it's a weird thing to say about your own show, but I can because I'm the one sitting on the outside DMing and I get to just be in a room with these, you know, with these five amazing characters. Uh, What, six amazing characters? Let's give Philippe his due. Um, (laughs) We all know I'm a Philippe guy. And just to see these relationships developing. um, and um, Jin hasn't come into his own yet. I'm sure that Jin's going to be a pretty integral character one day Jin's uh, well Jin gets the ability to talk at some point yeah. or he gets the ability to talk to Velda so I'm going to have to come up with a voice for Jin um, <laughs> which I'm that, looking forward to that'll be a fun day I'm looking forward to that and getting to work with Jibian to do a creative project where I get to work where we get to work with each other and we get to work with really good guests like Rachel was fantastic wasn't she Rachel Henley was just amazing big up Rachel and someone who had never played this game before to walk in and, and do that and um, and, and April my goodness, you have some good stuff coming up. You're in for such a treat. Um, she's fantastic. So that's, I mean, that's only an elevator pitch if it's uh, in an elevator in a very tall building. Yeah, give me an elevator pitch. We're only going up two floors now. Only going up two floors. Yeah. All right, the uh, the Danger Club podcast is six British actors sitting in a studio in London having stupid adventures, fighting everything from uh, Legions of Undead to the Postal Service. Ding, I'll take it. Nice. <laughs> so, oh, sugar! I just, I just broke Dan's desk. I like that we um, just pitched our show to people who are already subscribed to our yeah, show. Right. 
<laughs> uh, it's time for your second piece of music, Dan. Yes. Uh, you have chosen. Uh, <laughs> you have chosen from episode thirty-nine. A little bit of drow. Ah, oh, that's one of my favourites. Shania, Shania, Shania. Do it, do it, do it. Shania, Shania, Shania. Shania, Shania, Shania. I can't do the Russian. With a little bit of drow, we can't make it true tonight. With a little bit of drow, we can't make it true tonight. That was a little bit of drow. I'm a big fan of that one because it really highlights um, how much better at singing Rachel is than the rest of it. Like, how well vocally trained. Yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So, a quick question from Blinded Sphinx. Yes. Right? Fulton's wallet. (laughs) How much... (laughs) How much money has he got? How much money? I don't know because I, I I foolishly allow everyone to keep their own character sheets, so I don't have his yeah, exact yeah, wallet with me right now. It is not very much, and I believe that I believe we do an audit on it in a couple of episodes. We time. spoke about it, didn't we? we yeah, can't. I, I think it comes up in game where we we discuss like how much money is actually in there, and it is it's not very much. And you know, it's fine. It's a he's a fighter. It's not like he's a completely gear dependent class. It's not like his effectiveness is totally based on yeah. buying new weapons and armor. And he really, really needs to upgrade some of that. It, that's fine. It, he can just go away and give it away to cat ladies in the street. I mean, what he does with his money in the next episode is really funny. So, like, yeah. I mean, I do wonder sometimes how much he has got and how much, like, where did he get that from or whatever. But maybe M needs to have a chat with him in a bar or something. It, it gets into a weird thing where, like... I mean, it, it doesn't help that you live in a world where you have to buy your supplies from people like Dark Michael. So there's no encouragement to really spend money because it means you have yeah, to go right. and visit people like that. I mean, big up Dark Michael. Big up Dark Michael. What a great character. Official sponsor of the show. <laughs> I'm waiting for that T-shirt to see someone wearing, you know, I, br- I shop at Dark Michael's or something. <laughs> Oh, I need to do that. Yeah, right. I need to make one of those. <laughs> t-shirts, t-shirts are coming, by the way, at some point. There They're is, definitely coming. There is no plan in place of how we're going to do it, other than that we would like to do it. And and actually, some people have sent us, Cy, our artist, um, Simon, who's done some really great art for us, uh, he's he sent me some links uh, about how you do t-shirts. So it is something that is on the list among all of the other stuff that we're recording at the moment when we get time we're going to try and get that available for you didn't i once send you a, a i created a my name is kemoth mug yes <laughs> from way back when with the skulk called kemoth i sent him a little no, I, just I really want that i really i really really want that <laughs> I, a um, steaming hot mug of tea my I name is kemoth I especially like ones that are based on really specific jokes that don't age well <laughs> yeah, you know right. ones from episodes that were months and months ago like that most people won't have heard or will have forgotten about that that's the kind of merch that i, I want to have um but we have a few that we we have a few t-shirts we do ourselves that we we, we, we do wear. Yeah. so um yeah maybe we'll do maybe we'll do a little limited run or something with that sometimes dan and i are both wearing our own t-shirts today yeah, so maybe we we'll flip up a little picture on the instagram in a bit it is time for your third disc yes. uh, from episode 40 uh bad dreams in the ossery oh i love that yeah one. it's a good it's a good tune i don't even and as I f- as I go into the distance of the corridor, I just they just say, "It's me, a solo." <laughs> <laughs> it's Rachel Henley again there, oh. big up, yeah, singing uh, 
Yeah, she she loved that one. We when we planned we planned her character for it because it was a, it was a real last minute that like you'll have noticed um, <laughs> the way we 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 find Zola in a a sealed room in uh, in an ossuary that hasn't been opened in a long while, uh, and she disappears very abruptly in the episode, and that was because it was the first time we'd done a guest, and we we found out we had Rachel available in between tours and so we were like we need to do this we've got to yeah. get her involved in this uh, before she goes away again because she's great and we want to have a chance to have her involved and um so I I, I sat down with her and, and was trying to make her her character and we just we had dinner and just talked about Pathfinder and talked about what kind of person she wanted to be and we ran around all this sort of stuff and then she was like can I basically just be Kate Bush <laughs> <laughs> and from that point we were like yep that all clicks That's and we fine. just we completely and Zola came from that and we just kind of wrote wrote her from there and uh, yeah when she when Zola is running off into the dark Rachel was literally running out was putting her coat on and running, running into out the of, dark yeah <laughs> running off out of the studio um, she had an get, appointment somewhere, didn't she? Yeah, like she had a job, to get she had to, to a booking, and, and uh, yeah, so we just kind of wrapped it up. But I'm really glad we did. It was worth it to get her in there. That's why we yeah. kind of, we, with April's uh, stuff, we we had time to plan it a bit more and had time to kind of get her in a bit more laced into the story. So I think you'll find it's it feels a bit more natural narratively. Um, and because she'd done it before as well, April yeah. knows kind of what she was doing, didn't she? she yeah, I she mean, knows. I'm not saying that Rachel didn't. I'm just saying that April had played the game before. This was the first time that Rachel played. Yeah. She loved it as well. Like we saw her the other day and she was just, oh my God, I want to come back. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Oh, hopefully. Well, we'll see. This is the nice thing about all these guests is that, they, you know, they're... Uh, we're not Game of Thrones in with this. We're keeping them. We're keeping the, all these options open. Yeah. So with Zola leaving in that episode, uh, in episode forty, a question from a dangling Tom Quinn: How does the creation of enemies differ when joined by a guest as opposed to the big party? Ah, nice. Okay, this is a nice DM question because statting encounters is always tricky. Um, right. We use. Uh, I'm sure everyone knows. We we play pre-made adventures for the sort of the basis of each series we do so we played murders mark we played godsmouth heresy now we're going to go on to master the living god and that is a a a pre-written adventure which is supposed to which will take you x amount of time to complete Uh, and then we write i write a lot of stuff around it and expand it and change it and kind of but that forms the bedrock of it and a big part of that is it means that the encounters are statted correctly to be a good challenge for that kind of party it's already thrown slightly out of whack by the fact that it's a five-person party rather than a four-person party, which yeah. is your normal. So there's always a little bit of that. And then you add a guest in as well. You know, that takes it up um, a little bit higher. So there are different ways you can approach it. It was easy with Rachel because um, because we were already... The other thing we had was that everyone was level two uh, for Gosmoth Heresy. Mm. We started at level two to level three we did for that, which is a level higher than the recommended one for the dungeon so the dungeon was already easier so that's why we use what we, the advanced template which we talked about there which means that the monsters have got more hit points they do more damage they're harder to hit so it makes the monsters tougher and it kind of it slightly gets around the fact that you have more people it's not a perfect solution because it does mean that you get some fights like if you get a fight like we have with spears morgan where only one person can fire at the time then my goodness, he's suddenly really difficult because yeah, your numbers right. don't help you in that kind of uh, situation. So it's not a perfect solution, but it it does kind of get through that. I also amended little bits on the fly, so I changed hit points and things on the fly to get around. What? Yeah, you got to like peek behind <laughs> the curtain, like change a few little bits here and there to kind of keep it as a as a decent challenge. Um, but you've got to 
you've got to account for stuff like the fact that, yeah, you've got an extra player in Rachel, but also Rachel's never, ever played this game before. Oh, so I she, see what you mean. So you have to adjust really yeah. to, to incorporate that. So you're like, okay, I've written this encounter for six characters, but... You know, Rachel is not somebody who has been playing this game for 20 years and knows every trick and knows how to be the most, play this character the most effectively. She's going to try stuff and, and see. So you, you kind of, you adjust a little bit on the fly based on how that is going. I'll be really clear, at no point did I uh, downgrade any encounters to save the party. Um, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. There might be some talk That's about near TPKs at some point. But everything stayed at the same difficulty it was because I don't believe in like making stuff easy just because it's getting hard for everyone but there are little bits where like after the first game with Rachel where you get an eye in for it and you're like oh, okay cool I think I think I know how you're going to play on this now so we'll we'll kind of yeah, you know, yeah we'll, we'll yeah. sort of work it like that but yeah my my poor my poor demon that that got built up so much with the boom boom and then it was just like you I know you minced her in like I was so upset. Right, I'm going to talk about her because I, even though there's no Go question ahead. about her, no, right, no, I'm going to talk about thing. this. Right, it's DMQs because I was heartbroken want. at the time. That we were talking about my favourite monsters. That is a monster I wanted to use against this yeah, party, right. and I didn't get a chance to. That that creature had a. Uh, it was called a sin spawn. So it's everything. All the Thalassian stuff is all based on uh, the seven deadly sins, basically. Uh, so this was the lust spawn. So it was a creature of lust, like a lust demon. Uh, it had a. It had an attack called. I think it was called like lusty bite or something. It's such Amazing. a great like yeah. <laughs> RPG name, uh, where basically if you if it bites someone, the person has to make a save, and if they fail the save, they're overcome with amorous lust. Um, and wow. me- yeah, and mechanically, it, it all it does is it lowers your stat. It just tells you how it affects it. It's like, oh, you you're sickened or something. Like, okay, it, it's it. The effect is quite straightforward. But I was so keen to try and land that on Fulton because I just I just thought that if they have to deal with a lusty Fulton <laughs> for like an hour after this, it's just going to be such great radio. Yeah, I just, you know. But no, but no, she died. Uh, it didn't happen. That's uh, a shame. One day. I'll bring her back. It's time for your fourth disc. Yes. Uh, Dan, this is, uh, you've chosen from episode 41, Kill the Skelly. Oh, yeah. All right. Do you remember that? Yeah, classic. Kill the skelly, Bobby did the thought he was going to kill us. But the didn't, Zola was there, and Caragor killed it with a cutlass. Fulton said, you, 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 you will die. Why did you choose that one, Dan? That's a, um, <laughs> that is a beautiful song. Um, I, I like that song particularly because it is yeah. a really good example of the times when Scott will start singing a song and hope that some of us will join in on it. And sometimes we will, like when he, <laughs> like when he threw out and Fulton said, and Ross just keeps saying do 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 do, and leaves leaves Scott to come up with the lyrics for what Fulton said. He usually <laughs> does quite well though, doesn't he? Does. he? Yeah. He's good for a. I have to big up Scott. There. Scott is great at like coming up because he's an improviser anyway. Like if you, yeah, right, right. You know, uh, Scott does cabaret and, um, and and improv and all this kind of stuff. So of all of us, he's he can come up with this stuff straight away, which I like to think makes us makes us if he starts it. Sometimes we'll just sometimes we we'll just let him go. Sometimes we'll just lean yeah. back and uh, just lean the worst back. one is when he kind of threw. I realised he's thrown a look to me and he was expecting me to interrupt with like a hello everyone and I've just <laughs> yeah. I just let the song roll yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it oh, happens sorry. to all of us at some point, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, but Scott's great at doing that. Um, okay, so from Alakar, were you prepared for a TPK in the Ossery or Tavern Fight Saga? So now we're moving on to the Tavern, so it's after Zola's oh, left. Oh. So were you prepared for it? 
That's yeah. the first question. Okay. I was aware that it was a possibility. Now, I, I, I really think about these kind of encounters, and I, I, I was not expecting it at all with the uh, with the skeleton fight. That one took me by surprise. That was a with spears with spears, Morgan. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was. I had looked at other encounters. I was expecting the alchemist fight to be really tough. That wasn't actually, you know, you kind of dealt with that easy. Yeah, because well, you took out <laughs> his was- mate first of all. You know, you dealt with that really well. Spears, I, I just. I, I wasn't I, I wasn't really expecting you to find that to go that way because it's a really unintuitive way to go through the dungeon but you found that you sort of found it and then I hadn't thought about the mechanics of having a character with a, a spear in a five foot wide corridor and how yeah incre- and a high AC and how incredibly dangerous that is so I was suddenly very worried I, I wasn't too worried because I knew you had two ways out. Yeah. And I, I felt fairly confident that you wouldn't all just keep walking into the spear and die. Like, worst case, probably what might happen is one of you would die and then you would all just go a different way. You would all just give up and give up on going that way and find a different way through the ossery. And we'd have lost one character, sure, but yeah. we can replace that. Um, can, like, there was no way that James was going to stay and die for everyone. James would have run away. No, nah, he would have gone. He would have left us all. Being That said in mind, if... if um say like four people that was an almost tpk mm. no no okay say say if one character died like you said just then right um w- would we be able to find down in the ossery another character or would they have to wait until we if, we, if we're in the dungeon scenario would we have to wait until we get back out to it, it sort of regen if you like it would depend um it would depend on where you were what was going on and and what was a good way narratively to get another story get another character back in i don't really want to have too many situations where people are sitting out episodes for a long time because that's yeah. you know that's not the show we want to have a a show with a full cast of characters but i also don't want to throw a character in with no explanation at all so, sure yeah it needs a little bit of backstory doesn't it yeah so but there are things we can do you know we can remember we don't always have to at the moment we're telling one story because we're following this one group of characters all the time but we're picking up other characters along the way and we're meeting other characters who have their own stories so there's nothing to say that at some point we might cut away to go and tell a story that's happening somewhere else in the world involving some people and maybe some of those characters end up joining the main uh, narrative you know maybe that's maybe they come in if they replace someone who dies there are things you can do like that i will be honest i was really not sure what was going to happen if the tavern fight ended in its tpk because that was a real test that that was a tavern fight was so good wasn't it yeah Yeah. i I was kind of like the only way we can make this as good as it should be is to do make it as hard as it should be and just see how you go and just let you guys do you know give it your best shot because you you can work very well together and it can be a very efficient party when everyone is thinking and everyone is working is working cleverly you guys are very powerful and so it was it was stated as something that was like this is a very hard encounter but it is not impossible and i can't cheapen it at all it has to be done like this and I, or the only way to play this is to attempt to kill some of these characters and just see how it goes out. And it's not how we play the show a lot. It's not like I'm no. constantly throwing creatures at me. Like, even though I, I say that, I'm not trying to kill everyone all the time. But in a thing like that, if you're playing somebody that horrible, and you know, occasionally we've had really nasty villains have shown up in this show, and you have to play them accurately, and you have to play them how they would be, and they 
do not give any kind of quarter, you know. Uh, and there's stuff coming up in um, the later episodes, which is really hard, you know. And I, again, I have to stay true to that and run it. And whatever happens yeah. is going to happen. No spoilers. Uh, okay, yeah. And the second part of that question from Alakar, the first one was, uh, were you prepared for a TPK? What's your backup plan if they all die so if we all die yeah what do we do do we just stop the record go regen and then yeah. and then start a new story or no we're gonna um we're gonna go and play the pokemon rpg um, start a new <laughs> show it'll be no we're gonna yeah if um start starfinder yeah just <laughs> don't tell me don't tell me frodo um <laughs> i love starfinder um no if if everyone were to if everyone were to die so if we were to lose the entire danger club I think there would be enough narrative in that to find a way to introduce a a, a new party. Um, it is a rare thing to have a TPK in an actual play. Very few yeah. shows have it because it's yeah because it's really really hard to write your way out of. You know you don't see it in any TV show really where your entire cast die in one episode no, um, not at all. and you have to start again with totally new people usually you can foresee it a little bit and you can because to have to lose five characters in an hour is quite hard to do it's not impossible yeah. we got close on the town yeah. fight yeah but usually if a fight is that dangerous it's going to spread across multiple episodes and so if you if you suddenly you find you've lost maybe one or two characters during a fight and it's looking bad that's where you can be like, okay, what can we do narratively with these other episodes we have coming up to start foreshadowing that there are other characters in the background who might get involved in this? Or, you know, I quite liked the idea of starting with a whole new party who are being sent on a rescue mission to find the Danger Club. It's a good idea, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. They then up, take up the mantle sort yeah. of thing. There's things you can do, and that's, you know, it's like I've said a million times, it's one of the great things about this kind of game is you really don't know, um, and that is a possibility at any time that you could lose every single major character in a single episode, and then you just have to start again and, yeah. you know, and, and work out how you connect these stories. And most of the time when we come up to a new adventure, when we do our vote on what our next adventure is going to be, I have no idea how I'm going to connect these adventures. And you always find a way. So I, I feel like if that were to happen, we'd find a way. Has it happened to everyone? Has everyone had a character die? Like everyone that you've been like, playing D&D &D with or, or Pathfinder with, uh, have they all had a character die at some point? Um, with them? They've lost... Yeah, James has lost... James has lost a few characters. Okay. James has lost characters in a couple of campaigns where we played on. And yeah. so it's happened to... I don't, I don't know if Scott has ever lost a character. Interesting. And I'm not sure Drummond ever has. Okay. Uh, he's come close. They both have. But I, and I know Ross has, Ross has died but come back. Because that's the other thing in, in you some... You can come back, can't yeah, you? Yeah, you, at higher levels you can bring characters back. But it's really expensive. It's ruinously expensive. And it's um, you know we had a great we had a great time playing around with the reincarnate spell in uh, other campaigns, which is which is uh, is a lower level version. It's a spell that lets you come back from the dead, but you come back as a different character, like you come back in a new body. So you might come back as a gnome or something like that, and that's that's a lot of fun. Um, so maybe and Shania will get access to that at some point. So maybe it will come up. But um, but yeah, it, it it depends. Some people when they die, they just want to roll a new character. But some yeah. people are heartbroken. Some people are you know. Some it's, hard, yeah. it's really tough when Ross Ross died in a long running camp. The campaign we played before we were on air, Ross's character died, um, 
and and it came out of nowhere like we thought we had a cliffhanger the previous game we thought he was going to die he yeah. got through that he was all right he was safe and then we walked into the next room and it was like bang headshot done he was wow and it okay. came out of nowhere and he got up and he just sort of he thanked everyone and he left the pub not in like a yeah, not in an yeah. upset way but he was just kind of like i am out of the game i don't want to know anything that's going to happen while my character is not alive and he yeah. he got up and he left and and we were all just left like we'd literally lost the character and ross had yeah. gone as well and it's a really weird thing um so yeah i you know i i joke about being eager for a character to die but oh there's some good story in that if that happens if it does yeah but uh you know but m's been dead before you know m's fine with it. m has been dead before so he is fine with it colin might be a bit sad <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's time for your fifth piece of music all right and you've chosen turn the page of the module from episode 42 oh, we could do a great we could do a streets um parody sometime yeah i got my d20 you know, I set my darts at treble 20. I'm throwing off my arrows. All the sparrows are flying away. It's a new day like SK. Yeah, I've got the beat going. It's flowing all my days. It's like Velda's frost rays. Pew, pew, pew. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he did it. So there we go. Yeah, turn the page. I like that one because um, <laughs> because I say we could do a really good street parody. Yeah. When in fact I mean... Colin do a streets parody. <laughs> it was kind of like dance, monkey dance. Yeah, it? yeah, it is that kind of. Uh, it's that saying we, but actually meaning you do that. It's, yeah, um, you know, it's it's good business strategy going on there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. so good. I love what you did with that one. Was it hard to create the world around the ossuary, and how does it change from the outside world? when having a dungeon to work with you know what i mean being okay. downstairs in a dungeon as opposed to and i think this is a question from from us as a danger club actually mm. like uh because outside you've got npcs you can deal with like we can just grab someone on the street and talk mm. to anyone whereas down in the hospital we haven't got many people to talk to i know we met zola and but it does change doesn't it yeah do you know what i mean it, it's a very different kind of show i felt like i'm glad we did a dungeon crawl because it's a, such a huge part of this kind of game. I feel like you've got to have one somewhere. You've got to do a dungeon call at some point. I personally, I prefer adventures when you are within civilization because I love that yeah. random element. I love when Ross says, I grab someone off the street and we just have to create a new character out of nowhere. And I like that from that we get stuff like Dark Michael and we get stuff like the post office. We had Martin as Martin, well. Yeah, from yeah. back in the day. Bobby Mack and you know, <laughs> all these uh you know and 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 people like Ica and characters who've become really beloved and Travis who's not so beloved, thank you, Discord. I dunno anymore. I d no, like somebody literally there was a lot of uh the, the Discord went mad during that episode, during right. that cliffhanger over it. And uh, after it happened, the first post that came up on it was from someone saying, I mean, I was just really relieved when Travis jumped in the way because honestly, Travis... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, thanks. I don't know. I love dipping into... You know, at the uh, in the second part of that episode, I love to dip him back into the carnival and using all those sound effects and stuff and bring him back. And I thought Travis for me just it was stepped up in it, my opinion because he was like 
you know he'd redeemed himself so much there's something about these guys and all stuff like that it was really nice it, it was nice to go back there and I Travis is one of my favourite um, types of character in an adventure story which is the person who is completely unqualified to be there and is there anyway yeah you he's know, great like he's he's there to look after Riker and he is completely in over his head but he's he's going to stick it out for her and I you know I love that idea of this person who who isn't on the level of everyone around him but kind of stays anyway yeah um but talking about dungeons yeah I prefer being above ground I like having all those extra NPCs those little extra adventures we can have in there but there is something quite nice about separating the uh, the heroes from that lifeline from um the outside world because yeah, I know what you mean there were some really nice moments where things like what do you mean we haven't got any more health potions what do you mean you know this thing of like we can't just go we every decision we make is really important we can't just go home and uh, and, and rest and come back and deal with this left or right how do we use these chimes all of these things become quite important and at times it grinds things down because you and you spend ages saying do we walk through this door because that's and that's a part of dungeon adventuring but you know i i I really like that uh, as a as a way of looking at characters and it makes the characters relate to each other because you've got no one else to talk to so it's just each other that you you can you have to deal with and i think we got some really nice especially like the the deep road stuff not the deep roads the uh the half-life path there was some lovely stuff in there and it was just you guys Um, yeah yeah and and you guys really you know you really sort of formed your own relationships during that time so it's it's a nice way of exploring different people but um but yeah I'm, I'm glad we're back on the surface and i'm glad we can explore the world a bit more i'm glad you brought up the door because <laughs> i had that question written down okay listen yeah which the riddle yeah on the wall yeah uh we discussed it so much yep the heart beats on the wrong side of my chest or is it right is left right now which way was that just the ramblings of a drunken madman that, or was there a riddle there okay because i want to clear this up cover your ears if you do not want spoilers for the <laughs> gosmuth heresy or just skip forward 30 seconds yeah that message there on the wall has nothing whatsoever to do with those doors uh, <laughs> it, it is a bit of graffiti that really relates to a thing somewhere else in the ossery that um changes your uh your body and uh, moves your heart and your lungs Is and things around right? in your body. Like we're going to publish a map of the Godsman's Ossery of the areas that were explored on the map, and you yeah. will see in that about half the dungeon, which is greyed out, which was the unexplored section that we didn't get to. There is so much more to the Godsmith Heresy. We than... thought there was, yeah. Well, because and and things like the um like the Wrath Rune never found the Wrath Rune, and. Nah. Uh, that's again. That's in the bit. That's in a bit of the ossery you didn't find. And uh, when you look at the map, I don't know if you've seen it yet. The map of the path you all, you all took through the dungeon. You got through that door. You just went the long way around. And there's a part later on when you find you find the wrath rune, and, and some of you are like, "Oh no, it's another wrath rune. Oh, how are we going to get through this one? Oh no, and it's that's the other side of that same door. Like you just you got through it. <laughs> you just got all the way around." <laughs> But it's a that's yeah. that's a lovely thing about like honestly, even though you've heard this podcast, go and play Godmoth Heresy because there are 
there are so many different ways to complete it. So much you to know, explore. There's yeah. so many different things you can do within it, uh, and there are a few bits. You like you guys shortcutted some bits by some good disabled device checks and some spotting some secret doors and unlocking some doors and things like that. Yeah, yeah. You know that allowed you to kind of skip a load of it, but you can do it without doing any of that. You know, if you haven't got a rogue in your party, you can go a long way around. You can find bits and maybe find the wrath rune and maybe find the thing that that graffiti relates to. You know, there's loads of stuff that you can do on that. Um, it's a great dungeon. But it had nothing to do with the doors. It had nothing to do with the doors. Whole episode. Whole Thank you very much, Danger Lynch, for sticking with us. Working out on that one. You, okay. You found the other side of the, all of those doors, actually, at different times. But um, Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Idiots. <laughs> okay. Time for your sixth disc. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Penultimate disc. From episode 43, Dry Your Drowse, Mate. Dry your eyes, mate. I know you wanted to roll a natural 20. <laughs> There's plenty more rolls in the tray. <laughs> it, it's the uncertain way he says tray. Yeah, That's right. Really makes that. I love the fact that drums always in the background just gigging in along because he's like he's like a hype man. Anytime you do something, he's the guy that's going, "Yeah, well done, well done, Colin, well done." Uh, so thank you, big up drum. That that's how I got through most of my stand up career was uh, bringing drum along to yeah. gigs as my hype <laughs> yeah, man, just right. sitting in the front row and be like, "If everyone else here hates me, Drummond is digging this." That's yeah. how we get through this. All right. So blinded sphinx again. Yeah. Uh, big up to all the people that have asked us questions. Is Shania's accent the same for all drow? Like, is that is that the done thing now? And did Drum give you any pointers when you played some drow in the second part of the bar yeah. fight? Did we do any voice and coaching with, um, with Drummond, with Drummond um, for drow? I mean, I, I'm sure Drummond won't mind saying that um, Shania's accent was not the same for Shania, let alone all drow, for the first few episodes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it, was, it was a bit of pan-European. To, well, it was the same for all of us, because none of us knew what any of these characters sounded like when we started it. And we didn't know what any of the... Uh, we didn't know what any of the sort of accents were, and like, and I don't know what I was doing with some of the early like Verizian accents and things like that. But you just kind of you play around and you you find a way through it, and it was just yeah. the the voice that Drummond had come up with for Shania that it developed into is just so good and so so characterful and so fitting of Drow in a weird way. Just the the rage of it all kind of fits Drow really well. So that when other drow came in, and it's just a really nice, because it's an audio show, it's a really nice way of saying straight away, this is a drow. You know, they've all got a slight, they've all got a sort of sort of Germanish kind of accent going on. So I, I think that is, I think that is canon. I think drow are sort of, I don't want to say German, because I'm not sure that it's really quite a German. Like, yeah, I don't kind think of it is. General Northern slash Eastern European, that kind of uh, Germanic-ish sort of twinge Vilkas de Vere is one of my favourite NPCs to do the voice for because I just I love that I love the voice for him for the the other sort of West Side Story drow who came showing up <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, where are you going little sister little sister they're just great so yes I think we that will have to carry on there are other ones that aren't the same like we, we've established that not all gnomes talk like Chappie LaRue yeah, I'm afraid yeah, it yeah, was yeah. just him and Santine Roulard who are of those but there might be some other races that have yeah. accents oh, yeah. that we might we've established kind of backstage. We'll 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 let you in on that you know, maybe a little bit later. But yeah, dwarfs have sort of Scottish accents. Yeah. Um, Fulton Fulton certainly does, and all of the other ones you meet have 
you know, vaguely because I am not as confident with a Scottish accent. And I know Scottish people who will pull me up on it. So I'm more <laughs> yeah, right. tentative about those ones. Yeah. Maybe if I had German friends, I'd be more tentative about um, about those, uh, about the drow. But for the moment, uh, I think it's just the drow. Big up Germany. Big up um, Germany. <laughs> so, listen, yes. we're about to cast you to the ossery soon. I know we're going to do your seventh disc in a minute, but All right. uh, how do you think you'll do? In the ossery. How do I think I'll do in the, in yeah, the ossery? Yeah, you're cast by yourself in the ossery. How are you going to do? I think I will, having read the map and having known my way around, know where everything is within the ossery and having seen you attempt it uh, yeah. first, I think I will be dead in about five minutes. I don't think I... <laughs> okay. I'm fairly confident that I, as me, don't even get past the dark mantle. You think the thing on the stairs... Think, yeah, yeah, the thing on the gonna, stairs, it, yeah. I think, it, I think uh, that's it. I think I'm, I'm dark mantle food. If I do... I'm going straight past Zola's room and through the through the way she came in, and I'm climbing back up the uh, the side of the cliff and get back into Care Margaret, which course, is only yeah. slightly less dangerous. But yeah, I I think I don't think I do very. I like to think I would remember the name of Valanthe Norissia, but um, beyond that, <laughs> I don't think you're the only one that does, mate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Memorable and, NPC and a bunch of dangerlings just going, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I love that bit. I know, amazing. <laughs> so much anger. So. This is your seventh and final disc All from right. episode 50. It's 500 ones. Two, three, and I would roll 500 ones, and I would roll 500 more just to be the dwarf who rolled a thousand ones to fall turn at your door. <laughs> anyone who is like listening as these episodes come out that is now i think like the seventh time you've heard that song this week like including <laughs> yeah. the outtakes from this yeah. week's episode which was a beautiful outtake actually it's one of the best <laughs> so ones much i've had rage i know <laughs> yeah. it was so much fun to make it was so much fun that rage was uh, a lot of fun rage it wasn't like <laughs> actual rage it was real nice (laughs) it was beautiful if you listen on any of these intros you will notice that i always come in about halfway through and don't really know the words yeah i'm a bit confused that's because when we're doing stuff like that it's usually right before we record an episode or 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 in between takes and things like that and that means i'm sitting there with all my books out and my and my tablet and i'm planning the episode and i'm trying to i'm rolling initiatives and trying to work everything out and then I just look up and there's a song happening and people are sort of nodding at me to join in. And I kind of just just fumble through it, which just which takes me back to kind of every group singing exercise I've ever done, you know, where I've been like, what? And just making up the words and trying to keep up with everyone. Yeah, right. like being at school. Right. Just, just on that note, when you're yeah. creating episodes and things, like, are you doing it right up until we start speaking and oh, right yeah. up until you say hello? Like, what's it like in the morning of the record? And because there's a lot of prep for you as a DM, isn't there? Oh yeah, I, you know, I love doing DMQs because it's the only episodes that we record that I am not terribly anxious right before recording it you know i get so nervous before we do an episode record Uh, i will spend a good couple of days writing right before we do it and just trying to do trying to get as many plot points as we can and as many nice little moments as we can practicing character voices for characters that i know are coming up practicing descriptions for things that i know we're going to see so i can sometimes i'll write them out and i'll learn them almost like a bit of script so i know that like the the reveal of the the bounty hunter and things like that where i know how it's going to play i know how it's going to look 
look in my head so I think of the description so I'm not erming and, and stumbling over my words when I'm, I'm saying yeah, this yeah. stuff. Then I'll do things like I'll pre-roll initiatives. I've got an initiative tracker app. So I'll plan out all the encounters that I know are going to happen and I'll roll the initiatives for all the monsters so that when we come to do your initiatives, I've just got to put the numbers in for all of you, hit a button, and then it gives me the list of everything. I'm not having to roll anything for my guys on it. It just keeps things moving. Um, and I, yeah, yeah. you know, and I've grabbed stat blocks for everything I know you're going to fight. But I'm also doing things like because in the last a day or so before we record, you guys will be talking a lot more on 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 our Slack about what's going to happen in the episode and you'll be talking about stuff that you might want to do or what you think is going to happen and so i'm reading that and i'm reacting to stuff like that if i hear people saying that they think you're going to go shopping or they think we should buy you know we think we should buy particular things i'm like okay right i'm going to look up rules for how I that need works to sort that and, out yeah. as well yeah so that's going in the folder and that's going in there and then i've got kind of an idea of like right what do i want to get done in this episode where do i think we will get to and we will get about half of that done usually but just an idea of where where the structure is going so i know if i need to hurry you guys along or you know so and then you sometimes have a guest as well so i I turn like last uh last episode turned up the first thing we do is sit down with april and we do a full briefing with her and we go we've already done it off air we've done her backstory we've done you know we've done a lot of stuff with her but i will go through her character that was the first time she'd seen a character sheet so we go through her character sheet tell her where all her key things are what she needs to roll to do different stuff like that how we're gonna how we're gonna involve getting her into it we're all up we're sound checked and i'm sitting just trying to work everything out like on the bus over to the studio I want to get off the bus about six times on the way over there and just go home because I'm just so yeah. nervous by that point about how it's going to go. But that's, if you're not nervous, then you're not going to do a good episode. I think you need that kind of, you need that energy. You need that feeling that you're going to do something uh, good. And then as soon as yeah, we're Yeah, you're really invested in something, yeah. doesn't it? And as soon as we're up and running, you know, first first few moments, first joke, everyone laughs and then you're off and then you're, you're good for the day until that's where we leave it for tonight. We stop the record and then I start worrying again and, you know... <laughs> Start working on the next one. It is really good when we all sit down. It does feel really good, doesn't it? Um, yeah. When we start working on it. Right, we've got a couple of quick fire questions. Because Let's do it. We're, we're right, right, right at the end now. So, Hairs Will Roll asked, was April sitting there all the last episode? Yes, she was. She, she did great. <laughs> we were like, I was like, you, I know where you're coming in. I'm going to point to you when you walk in the room and you just go. I yeah. don't know how long it'll take, but uh, my God, Ross took us on a tangent. So he, Yeah, he did. You know, like, <laughs> it, it, all pays it was great. It was so funny, though. Such a nice episode. Oh, my God. There's so much yeah. good stuff. Um, but I think all of that. us at some point, like even Ross was trying to hurry us yeah. along. And then we just kept forgetting and getting involved in other things. Uh, but it was really fun. All right. Boblin Hot says, what are you doing to celebrate a year of the DCP? A year of the DCP. I cannot believe we're coming up on episode 52, man. We got Boblin. Good stuff. It, it, it's really great that we're coming out. We are going to do some fun stuff for it. Uh, obviously, we've got this coming out, which is around the one-year mark. Yep. But we are also... We have what I think is our silliest ever episode. <laughs> it's episode 52. It's, it's uh, amazing. Like... It, this is the thing of our show is that like real landmark episodes end up becoming really really silly and we have our like our big dramatic episodes like the stuff we've just yeah. been through and like really great ones that happen but we also have like like iTunes as its um automatic thing shows the last episode of 
I mean, it's like either the first episode of season two or something. It's just one of the ones that gets highlighted because it's it's maybe a jumping on point. And that's the one where you go hunt river sharks. It's when we the stupidest river shark And so our yeah. and our fifty second episode is bonkers. Um, and you're gonna love it. I laughed all the way through it, and it's terrible to laugh at your own show, but it's it's you guys are so funny in it. So we're gonna do that. We are. I think we're gonna do a, a prize giveaway as well. So yeah, keep an eye stuff. on that. We've got some stuff that we uh, is clogging up our lives, and we want to give it away to Dangerlings. So that'll be run through social social media so keep an eye on um the twitter and the discord and the facebook and everything like that around episode 52 and that will be coming out as well we also realized that episode 52 comes out the same weekend as paizocon yeah is, right which is over in the u.s which we're not at sadly it's a bit of a long way to go such a shame we are going to do some cons over here but yeah one year we're going to get to paizocon but that is going to come out but really weird that our our yeah our birthday coincides with yeah. Paizo's big celebration thing where there's going to be loads of stuff uh, happening over there. So um, I'm looking forward to finding out about that. And is there any fan art of any other NPCs like Ica or Dark Michael? Simon? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Get drawing, mate. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, there's fan art of me. Um, which is amazing. That's, which yeah. I'm really excited about. It's on my Twitter now. Um, yeah, um, Simon Monstrous Art um, has done some amazing... Um, Thank Simon, you so much. He's done some amazing bits of art for us, um, which is so good. And and other people, uh, Fran has done some amazing work. Fran's done some there's great stuff. There's been some other... Um, I can't remember, been, Thank you so much for my picture of M. It was oh, amazing. It's, it's so good. And it's great to have a clear look of sort of what M looks like and yeah there's a really strong visual for that now yeah yeah so there's yeah if if people want to do art of npcs you know i will go nuts for it because i i love these characters and um yeah they're they're as close as i get to having a character in the show so they are i am very close so there is art of ica in um in the book actually there is isn't there yeah we've used it on social media a couple of times but there is a picture of ica in um in the murders mark um guide but you know, she has evolved so much from the version of her in, yeah. in that book. You know, she's a completely different character. And also there's two other members of the Danger Club at the moment that haven't got any fan art. I mean, obviously we haven't heard much from Big Mike yet. Yep. few days you'll hear a bit more. But there's Big Mike and and what, an, what a character explanation from <laughs> right. April. Better than all of ours. We were just like, oh yeah, you know, I stand about this bit. At all. She was like amazing at describing what her character was like. And then obviously we've got Zola as well, which you know, and we've had so much... Uh, amazing feedback about Zola they're yeah. just like oh Zola's great so we'd love to see some pictures of them if we can that'd, that'd be, great. be beautiful we, yeah. you know we love if, if, you, if you ever feel like doing some art we will you know we cannot thank you enough for that uh, oh and God, we, will, yeah. we will make sure we, we circulate it as much as we can because it's just great now we did have some other questions but they're more for uh, characters so okay. I think we're going to do those when we record an episode so you oh, might nice. have to wait a while for those ladies and gentlemen but keep them coming in um so dan thompson as you know when you get cast into the ossery you get two books okay, okay. those are the pathfinder rule book okay and uh the complete works of velda so <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and yeah. that's gonna be a long book <laughs> yeah just hating it's odd just, people <laughs> it's, just com- it's a complete list of his letters to the daily telegraph yeah right and um you also get a book of your choice so what would you like to take uh, yeah, it's 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 gonna have to be the um it's gonna have to be the pathfinder second edition rule book because yeah. that is the only thing i'm reading at the moment trying to learn um trying to learn all of that or the uh or the starfinder rule but no oh. no <laughs> <laughs> one day one, one day there's going to be a, an off shot podcast we're going to have two going on MZ in space <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you also get a luxury. I get a luxury. You get a luxury. So what would you like to take as what, the danger master? What would I like to take? Yeah. I, I would like to I, I would like to take the fan art of the danger club. Oh, and, that's nice. Uh, you know, and some uh, and just a, and a really nice a really nice D twenty. So I can just sit and pretend I'm playing Pathfinder yeah. with all it. I just prop up your pits of art <laughs> in the paper. Uh, and I'll be, you know, and I'll teaching just, us and, the, yeah, the rules sand. of number two. Yep, we'll just play second edition. Yeah, and we're like, oh, oh, Fulton, roll a, uh, roll a save. Okay, I'll roll <laughs> a save. Oh no, it's one. Oh, and you die. What um, a great image of you sitting in the hospital by yourself, <laughs> rolling as us. <laughs> Which is a lot of what like preparing these games feels like sometimes. Okay, and if a horde of alchemical zombies were coming towards you and you could only save one of your discs. Which okay. one is it going to be? Uh, it's going to be. It's going to be. I would roll five hundred ones because my god, that took a lot of work to produce. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to preserve that one. Would you like the outtakes as well, like oh, leading yeah, up? Yeah. Oh to yeah. The... I want the full. Sure. I want the outtakes, and I want the outtakes we didn't air. I want the full twelve-hour epic of. I would roll five hundred ones. We can do that for you, Dan Thompson. Thank you so much for being on Ossery Dungeon Discs. Colin, it's an honour. Thank you, everyone. Uh, have a good time.